1: The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is fifth element CBD fifth element is ultra high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes, to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth element, AKA five E is full spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com.
0: You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network.
1: Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz.
0: And featuring Keaton Derosier.
1: It's a grand slam. I'm telling you.
0: Welcome back to the Red Sea Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster in The Dynasty Guru for episode 196 of the show. Keaton, welcome to the show and happy birthday.
1: Oh, thanks, man. I'm sure this was perfectly planned to have my rotation right on my birthday. It worked out great. It's always fun to podcast.
0: Yeah, it's been a while uh, since we've been on the show together too. I've been like, I've been pulling like overtime here on the show. It's uh, it's like the old days now. I've been on like every week, but we haven't been on together in a little while. So this ought to be fun. Um, and uh, yeah, Keaton, Keaton, you got a lot going on, man. You're in the middle of a move. You got a birthday going on. you you're, you got a lot going on. Kind of the opposite of the Red Sox, who have absolutely nothing going on. <laughs> Pretty much, it'd be uh, wonderful. If they
1: would you know, give me like a Eddie Rosario birthday present kind of deal. Um, but I, I mean, I would take anything. Just a little bit of excitement. Like not a quad A pitcher. But, you know, we'll get to that.
0: Yeah. And, and we were really hoping that we would be able to give you a birthday gift today. The, the whole reason why this podcast is being recorded a day later is because uh, we had got some rumor that Tomoyuki Sugano might be deciding his team uh on Tuesday uh which is when we are recording this podcast and um that hasn't happened as of the recording but we did just recently get a report that we're going to lead off the show with here from Chris Smith of Mass Live he just posted this at uh uh 4 updated it at 3:28 That the Boston Red Sox are not expected to pay Japanese starting pitcher Tomoyuki Sagano what he wants. So, um, this is a bummer. Uh, Matt and I talked about Tomoyuki Sagano a bunch on the last podcast. Uh, We both like him a ton. I think you're in the same camp with that. Matt was extremely bullish on the Red Sox chances of signing him. He had it at 50-50. I had it at less than 10% uh Oddly, I switched from being optimism guy Keaton uh for once and uh it seems like my uh skepticism of the Red Sox is gonna be founded here and they won't get their man. Yeah, having Matt be the the optimistic guy on something is that's quite a turn.
1: It was weird. <laughs> it was really weird. yeah, really swapped roles there. I would have been on uh, your side though um it just seems like their plan this off season is to um like pretend. That they're trying uh, and just be in on everybody and sign nobody, which is a bummer because there's a couple guys that really could help this team out a lot. One being uh, ha Sung Kim, who went to the Padres, who would have been just a wonderful second baseman on this roster. Uh, and then they're just they're in need of such large quantities of pitching uh, that when you have a chance to jump on an international like this, I know some people may still have bad taste in their mouth for how Desuke Matsusaka ended, but uh, he did win a World Series with them and was pretty darn good for a couple seasons there. But um, when you don't have anybody to really fill out your rotation, let alone any depth, it was another situation that really kind of landed in their lap where they could have added some meaningful starting pitching to this roster and were unable to do so, or at least are uh, reported to have been unable to do so, with the issue being how much they were willing to pay. Which just does not, I do not think that bodes well for the rest of the offseason. I don't feel like there's really going to be many moves that are made after this um, of any kind of consequence because if they're not willing to, you know, invest in some of these guys that now are off the board, I don't know what they would be willing to invest in.
0: Yeah, that's weird. Um, I, I don't quite understand why there would be such a gap in what Sugano wants and what the Red Sox would be willing to pay him. Um, it seems like the market for pitching has been the only healthy market so far during this offseason. I mean, we've even seen guys like um, Smiley get paid and we've seen Morton get paid and in the Red Sox reportedly like being in on all these guys. And um, this report from Chris Smith quotes uh, Sean McAdam reporting that the Red Sox were in aggressive pursuit of Sugano. So like my thing is why just not go get him? You know, the, the, pitching market sucks uh this winter uh there's not a ton out there if you believe that he can be a good pitcher maybe it's a little bit outside your comfort zone but i can't imagine that you know it's it's going to require some crazy payday for a guy who's already over 30 um who's yet to ever pitch stateside it just the reports don't match up with like what the money total might be i I don't think we're gonna you know uh, be waiting around and then in a couple days see these signs for like an $80 million deal or something crazy. I don't I don't see that happening. No, I don't think that would even happen in uh, a
1: non-COVID era either. Um, it just seems really weird that if they would be in aggressive pursuit, they would just come up that short. That Those two things just don't line up. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess it is not to say that this is completely a done deal. Uh, you know, the Red Sox could still end up with this guy. Maybe he changes his mind. Maybe something happens last minute where the Red Sox up their offer or something. But, yeah, it is disappointing that it, it seems like they're just not willing to go where it takes to get a guy like this. Um, so that's where we're going to start off the show. Um, but this whole show is actually going to be – uh mostly Keaton and I both projecting out our rosters our 26 man rosters what we think the team is going to be when the Red Sox start the season this year so um to prepare you for that you know we're not going to have Chris Sale on this roster because he's not expected to be ready for opening day even if opening day gets pushed back to May which it's rumored to uh you know potentially be starting in May that's when the owners want um There's other rumors that the season might start on time. We just don't know yet, honestly. Um, But regardless, Chris Sale wouldn't be part of that group, so he's not going to be included here. But we are going to give you the rest of our 26-man rosters, including some free agents uh, that we think could be part of that team. Uh, One quick note before we get into these rosters, which... It was quite fun to actually do. Uh, The Red Sox did sign a minor league free agent, Daniel Gossett, a right-handed pitcher who was drafted by the Red Sox in 2011, but ended up going to Clemson. Uh, He's recovering or has recovered from Tommy John surgery, and he's expected to be sort of some depth for the Red Sox starting pitching uh, in the minor leagues. Do you have any thoughts on Daniel Gossett here? I don't.
1: It just kind of fits what Bloom has been doing. It's a guy who is two years removed from Tommy John's surgery and can provide some depth. Not expecting a lot, but uh, they were able to get cheap depth, so they went for it.
0: Yep, that about sums it up. All right, so let's get to these rosters here. Um, I got this idea because Chad Jenning uh, over at The Athletics started to uh, make his projections for the opening day roster. So, I figured why not us take a crack at it as well? Um, so, let's get right into it, Keaton. We'll start at the catcher position. Uh, who did you have as the catcher?
1: I had Christian Vasquez.
0: And uh, tell us why.
1: Because he's a good catcher and uh, the best option that they have, best option that a lot of teams would have. Uh, didn't have really, I mean, his 2020 was fine, and obviously his 2018, 2019 were really good, and it's just a continuation of that. Um, I don't think he has a ton of competition, although Ploeki had a, himself a nice 2020. Um, I'm not expecting him to really pull a lion share of at bats away from Vasquez, unless he gets injured at, at some point. But uh, it seems like that was a pretty safe position.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I had Christian Vasquez as well as my starting catcher. Um, He's one of the guys that I think you know, always gets mentioned when we talk about the Red Sox making a trade um, because he does have a really reasonable contract. He's a good player, like you said. He's one of the few guys in baseball getting close to that 75% share uh, behind the plate. Um, but I, ultimately, I just think he might be a little bit more valuable to the Red Sox than he is any other team at this point. So I think it makes sense to keep him. Yeah. Um, at first base, uh, I had Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, you had Bobby Dahlbeck as well. I did. Big Bobby bouncer balls. So I guess the big question here is why Bobby Dahlbeck over Michael Chavis? I know you've been a big fan of Chavis in the past. Uh, I've been less a fan of Chavis than you, uh, to say the least, but we both ended up with Bobby Dahlbeck. So what, what convinced you that he's the answer here at first base, at least in the short term?
1: I think they've um, seen, you know, we talked a couple times about 2020 being, um, you know, even before it was, it was shortened and postponed and all that. It's basically being the year for Chavis to prove what he is because um, they're about to have a bunch of people that play all of the positions that he can play. Um, so he really needed to either stake a claim or uh, fan out. 2020 wasn't great. Um, there's a you know a lot of people around the league that struggled, but it was really a continuation of the struggles that he's had since he's been in the major leagues. So I think they know what they have in Chavis now. Um, they don't entirely know with Dahlbeck, uh although he had a pretty similar showing. He actually struck out more than Chavis did in his small sample size uh, last year. Um, showed what he can do with the power, but he did show a much better ability to get on base just in general. So... I think uh, they're going to give the majority of playing time to him because they know what they have in Chavis, but they don't know what they have in Dahlbeck yet.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, And I agree. Um, I I think Dahlbeck just has more potential uh, in a lot of different ways. I I think he has potential to be a better first baseman. Not that... Michael Chavis was a bad first baseman, but he's a little undersized for the position. Bobby Dahlbeck's a really big guy, has a really amazing arm that he might be able to utilize over there. Um, and I've been vocal in the past about his hole having fewer, his swing having fewer holes in it <laughs> um, than than Michael Chavis's swing. I just think that he can hit good pitching a little bit better uh, than Michael Chavis, and I guess he will get a chance to prove that. Um, this upcoming season, so I, I kind of feel like they've seen enough of Chavis, and we'll we'll get to that a little bit later, uh, as well. But um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I I was unsure if we would match up at first base, so a little bit surprised.
1: Interesting. Did you expect me to go Chavis?
0: Um, I thought you would either go Chavis or like maybe a. Some free agent or, or something like that. You know, I, I know that the first base market isn't very robust, but like maybe a trade candidate or something like that. I wasn't sure. Josh Bell would have been nice. Josh Bell would have been nice. Yeah. Um. All right. Second base. First place we've differentiated. Who did you have? Yeah, I had Christian
1: Royo. Who? Not that I'm excited about it. I like your pick way more. But I just feel like uh, the way the season ended with how much playing time they were giving Arroyo and how much they were talking him up and even once the season ended, they were continuing to talk him up. Um it just seems like they've found a cost effective answer to the hole at second base, at least until Jeter Downs is ready. So that's the way that they would rather go. And I and, you know, that this not having the same guy that you have here is the reason why I picked somebody else in the outfield, but I think I'm hoping, at least, by them not spending on second base, then they'll um, put a little bit more effort into an outfield signing that we'll get to later on. So it's kind of a domino effect there.
0: Yeah, you know, I probably um, wrote and erased Christian Arroyo's name three times uh, from this document while I was putting it together because I think there's a very realistic chance that you're absolutely right and they decide to just spend no money on this position with Jeter Downs waiting in the wings. You can see what they have with Christian Arroyo, which, you know, I I don't think is much to be honest. Um, But ultimately, I think that the Red Sox will sign Colton Wong, and I'm torn between him and Cesar Hernandez. But I think that the market for Wong will be soft enough that they'll be able to get him at a number of years and at a dollar figure that they find acceptable. And he's just the better player. You know, he's a better player than, I think, pretty much all of the second basemen on the market outside of Kim, probably, who just signed with the Padres. Um, You know, he he, he walks a lot, uh, 9.6% walk rate last year. Um, You know, he's projected for right around a 9% walk rate. This upcoming year doesn't strike out a lot, 14% last year. Um, Decent hitter. But the defense is what's awesome about Colton Wong. So uh, I like him a lot. And I think he's a little bit of an underrated player from an offensive standpoint, too. Um, This is a player who the last few full seasons has been worth quite a bit of war. Uh, 3.7 war in 2019, 2.8 war in 2018, uh, 2.2 war before that in 2017. He is a good baseball player. And I think the Red Sox need some stability there.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It's a on-base monster. Somebody that could um, either lead, be leadoff if they don't want to give it to Verdugo, which didn't seem like they really wanted to last year, but um, or as in the hitting in the two-hole if they do give it to Verdugo. But having those two guys at the top of the order getting on base before Devers, Bogarts, Martinez, ah, Chef Kiss. That's that's what I want. I'm hoping <laughs> that you are correct. I just I'm terrified that I'm correct.
0: I am also terrified, you're correct. (laughs) Uh, So hopefully, hopefully you're wrong here, Keaton. I don't want to wish you to be wrong on your birthday, but on this, (laughs) I really hope you're wrong. I feel the same, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For the next two positions, I'm going to kind of just go past these a little bit quickly, and I'm going to frame this a little bit different. At third base and shortstop, we both have Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts, the absolute heart of this team, Uh, those two players. Who, in your opinion, Keaton, is the most sort of indispensable from this Red Sox roster? If you took that player away, it just wouldn't be this Red Sox team. You know, maybe I I don't want however you want to frame that. Who is the most important player to this team? Bogarts. I'm taking nothing away from Devers, but it's definitely Bogarts. Yeah, I agree. Um I feel it's Bogarts because of not only his steady on the field contributions, which are all-star level, amazing contributions on the field. He's great with the bat. He plays every day. You know, his his defense is not spectacular, but it is consistent. Um, but the off the field stuff, how much of a leader he is, is what really makes it for me. Agreed.
1: Same. Yeah,
0: that's exactly what I picked him to. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully those two guys end up signing some long-term deals here in the offseason. That would be awesome. I'd love to see extensions for those two players, um, and, and something that keeps Bogarts from opting out and keeps him here for the rest of his career would be really cool. That would be awesome.
1: Man, I saw. I think it was yesterday that there was a Rafael Devers um, note from MLB Trade Rumors. They were they were just doing like a round the AL roundup notes, and I was like. Oh baby, I bet this is the one. And I clicked on it and it was the Red Sox have no intention of moving Devers off of third base. And I was just like Was this really a question? There's more important things here.
0: Can we get to those? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it feels like moving Devers off third base is one of those things that gets talked about a lot more than it actually deserves because yeah. Um, you know, talking to people familiar with the Red Sox and, you know, it just it just doesn't seem like it's ever Really been floated as a real possibility, despite the defensive struggles. So, yeah, not surprising there. Um, Left field. I had Andrew Benintendi, and I feel dirty about it. (laughs) I don't feel dirty about it. I also
1: have Benintendi. I would just kind of be surprised if something happens with him at this
0: point. Me too. Um, Clearly, I was wrong about... Andrew Benintendi having value in the eyes of any team this offseason. I didn't think that one two-week stretch of a season uh, where he was just so abominably bad could define his value to the way that it has, and may and maybe it's more than that. You know, maybe teams took notice of the fact that he didn't have an amazing season in 2019, and he really hasn't been like an exceptional player for a couple of years. But, um, man, his value was so much lower than I thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah. I guess I'm... I'm still... I mean, I wrote a piece uh, after the first couple weeks of the season last year about why I'm not giving up a Benintendi. And I still kind of stand by everything that I had in that analysis. And before he got hurt, he was turning it around. He had a really nice week before he got hurt and then missed the entire rest of the season. I wonder if... If that's the case, because he has had back issues and injury issues tied together. So maybe it's a combination of COVID, you know, um, kind of precedent with a slow market. Um, He has, I guess, now you would say almost close to a full season of struggling and injury issues. Then maybe that's why teams are hesitant to engage on him. Um, But I also don't think it's a bad thing if he returns. I know a lot of people are over him, but... I I still want to see another year before I'm fully off the Benintendi wagon.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of reason to believe he can bounce back and I think that's one of the reasons why I was so surprised that um he didn't have value in the eyes of a lot of teams. Um over the course of Benintendi's career he's been solidly above average player. Um yeah, it, when you when you take it, you know, for for what it's been um Small sample size in 2016, 121 WRC+. 2017, his first full year, he kind of struggled a little bit. 102 WRC+, two-war player. 2018, he broke out the year of the World Series. 16 home runs, 21 uh, stolen bases, batted two ninety with a one twenty 120 WR, 122 WRC+. And he was almost a four-and-a-half-win player that year. Um Back down to a two-win player in 2019. Dealt with the injuries, like you said, last year. But I still think that Benintendi has it in him to be what he was in 2018. It's not like he's an old guy. He's going to be playing this basically this entire season as a 26-year-old. He can bounce back. Um, I I know it's kind of hard for guys to regain speed. But he's 26 years old. It's not like we're talking about a guy who's, you know, 31, who we're hoping that he gets his sprint speed back. Like, you know, maybe Ben and Teddy can, can bounce back. He's he's a guy who people threw sevens on his hit tool, man. He was, he was a serious prospect. Yeah. For what it's worth, the projections don't hate him. That's a good sign. Yeah. Steamer has him as a 17 home run. 12 stolen base, 257 batting average, which feels low to me, 102 WRC+, plus, which also feels a little bit low to me. What do you think of that projection? Do you think he's going to beat it, or do you think he's going to be under? I think
1: the batting average is going to be 20 points higher. and But the rest
0: of it seems really attainable. I agree. Yeah. I think so too, and that that hasn't played in 136 games. So I I kind of see him more as a 270 280 type batter as well. Um, we'll see. Career 273 batting average. So if you slice it right down the middle, maybe that's where he is. All right, next position, Um, we skipped over center. We'll get to that in a second. Um, We went to right field. Both of us had different right fielders. Uh, And I feel like this is opposite day. We should have probably each flipped because the guy who I have is the one you love. And I love the other guy. But um, (laughs) (laughs) who did you have and why?
1: Yeah, I got Eddie Rosario, who is a guy that I really like. Um, who was not tendered a contract by the Twins because um, they didn't want to pay him like $9 million, which is kind of embarrassing. Um, but I'm hoping that by them not spending on second base, then they will spend on another outfield addition. And I think Rosario is a really good pick. I think because Osuna isn't subject to a qualifying offer, um, his services are going to be pretty... Sought after, and I just don't think the Red Sox are going to compete. Springer is going to get a bunch of money. He's going to go, ugh, hopefully not to um, you know anybody that can really hurt the Red Sox. But he's been rumored with like almost every team. He's going to get a bunch of money, so they're not going to be in on him. Um. So with Ozuna Springer out, not spending on second base, that leaves I at least I would think the best case scenario for them in this off season is landing any Rosario. So I'm putting all my eggs in that basket that, you know, they've let all of these other guys go, but we'll still land someone exciting going into the 2021 season. I think that's Rosario.
0: Yeah. Eddie's an interesting player. Um, I like him. Uh, I like him a lot. I think he's somebody who always comes through in big situations and, you know, he, he plays a lot of games. Uh, He's not a great defender, which worries me a little bit about the prospect of, Eddie Rosario in right field. Um, I think that that outfield defense could be a little scary um, with Eddie Rosario and right Benintendi and left. And uh, just to foreshadow here, we both have Verdugo in center field. Um, That could get a little bit scary for me, but I do think that the fact that he has a relationship with Cora is interesting uh, and makes it a little bit more plausible how many years? If if Eddie Rosario does sign with the Red Sox, how many years do you think he would sign on for?
1: Uh, initially I thought four, but probably like three or four.
0: Interesting. Okay, so that that would be a pretty big commitment then. Yeah, be sizable. Uh, I have Hunter Renfro as the right fielder. I have them as done in the outfield. This is it. Um. I like Connor Renfro. Okay. He's a better fielder. I think he'd be a better fit in right field than Eddie Rosario. Defensively, I don't think he would be as good with the bat as Rosario would be. Um, He's good, but he's flawed. Uh, I like the idea of him at Fenway, but I feel like this is it for the outfield. And the reason why I feel this way is just I think they're really high on Jaron Durant. And he could come up as soon as next year, I think, and be either the center fielder or one of the corner spots. I have a little bit of trouble imagining him in right field, which is why I think he ends up being the center fielder. But that's why I'm rolling with Hunter Renfro as the right fielder every day.
1: Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't shock me. Um I like Renfro a lot um, and I'm excited in whatever role he's going to end up having. Um, I'm just hoping that they, they make a slightly bigger splash in uh, land Rosario. But um, I initially had the exact same outfield that you did before this. And I was like, well, well, if they're not spending money at second base then I could spend somewhere. So hoping that comes through and then that would push Renfro to the bench. Um, I, but I think you're right. There probably are done spending there. I think you're going to be right on this one. I just hope that I'm not right at second base and you're right in the outfield because it would be just uninspiring not to add in those places any more than they have. But at the same time, the offense is not the problem with this team. That's not why they were as bad as they were last year and why they didn't make the playoffs in 2019 either. Um, whatever they roll out there for an offense is going to be good enough to score enough runs to win every night. So I guess I shouldn't be too caught up in it.
0: Yeah. I mean, so to clarify, I want to make this clear. This is not what we want to happen. This is what we think is going to happen. Right. So this is us. I mean, if, if this was us saying what we wanted to happen, right, we would both have Ozuna in our lineups. We yep. both have like, you know, both have uh, Colton Wong at second base and all that stuff. But Given what we have here so far on the team, given your choice for what the Red Sox did, would you rather have them sign Wong and leave the outfield as it is or sign uh, Rosario and leave second base how it is, given the choice?
1: Well, it depends because, I mean, you mentioned that Duran's pretty close to ready. Um, mm-hmm. Could be ready for everyday work at some point next year. Um, but Downs isn't that far off either. And so they have guys waiting in the wings in both of those positions, I think. That's why I think they're probably, you're that you're probably right about them being done in the outfield because they've got Hunter Renfro on a one-year deal mm-hmm. um, as basically the bridge to that outfield. Um, so that probably does make sense of them being done. Um, however, like, How I guess throwing uh, the question you asked me right back to you. How long? How many years do you think they would end up signing Wong for? Would it be one year, or would it be a longer term investment? And either Downs would have to wait or
0: move somewhere else. I don't think they get Wong if they if he wants more than two years. Like if they have to pay him more than two years, but I do think they will have to pay him more than one year. So I think he'll sign a two year deal. And I think they'll okay. probably be forced to break Wong or uh, Downs in. Uh, I think they'll play him in the minor leagues this year for the most of the year, and I think he'll probably be a, in a bench role for 2022, and maybe and maybe take over from Wong at that point. That's kind of where I'm at with with him, but I don't actually think like you know if you ask me who is more ready for the big leagues out of Downs and Duran, I kind of see them as being right at the same type of spot. You know, I I don't think I wouldn't be surprised if either guy made it before the other.
1: So I guess then that would also beg the question, if you think they're right on the precipice and could be both in the lineup, Mm Mm-hmm. 2022, then from Bloom's perspective or the Red Sox front office perspective, with the pitching the way that it is, would it make sense to just wait until you have Sale back in an opening day roster and spend next offseason compared to this offseason?
0: Yeah, I guess it would just depend on what you think the gap is between those players, and I think what it comes down to is I think that there's a much larger gap between Wong and Arroyo than there is between Rosario and Renfro.
1: I 100% agree with that.
0: Yeah, so th- I think that's why I lean towards them making a move at second and not making a move in the outfield. I hope you're right. Me too. Um, next two positions we have are the exact same. Center field, we both have Verdugo. DH, we both have JD Martinez. Two questions here for you. Sure. Question number one about Alex Verdugo Does he adjust well to center field defense? Is that going to be an issue? No. I don't think so either. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, he's plenty athletic enough. I don't think it's going to be spectacular, but I think he'll be fine. Second question. Does J.D. Martinez bounce back? And what does a bounce back mean for J.D. Martinez?
1: Yeah. um, I think whatever it is that he needs to feel comfortable in the dugout without whatever video junk he had before, they will will be figured out. Uh, But by by the time we get to uh, action in 2021, so I think he'll feel more comfortable at the plate. Um, Hopefully... The team won't just be, in general, as much of a downer as it was last year. So it'll be a little more motivation just because he's a little happier. Um, and I think that, um, I mean, the biggest thing was he struck out like a massive amount more than he ever has before. Um, and he's the type of hitter where um, there's, I'd say, the majority of guys that have like five plus percent drops in their strikeout rates. I'm not super confident they can rein that back in, but. Because of the hitter that JB Martinez is, it's just it's so advanced that I have complete faith in his ability to do that, reel that back in to put more balls in play. And then that, I mean, that really just helps his entire line across the board recover. So I think, um, you know, maybe he won't be back to MVP caliber, but all star
0: for sure. Okay. I'm going to give you his steamer projections. You're going to tell me if he's over or under these numbers. 35 okay. home runs.
1: Oh, that's a really good number.
0: Um over. Ooh. I'm gonna take the under.
1: <laughs> See if you would ask me just to spit out a number, I would have said thirty
0: five. <laughs> so that was <laughs> it is a good number. Yeah. Uh 94 runs. Over. I'm gonna take the under as well. Uh RBI 106. Over. Okay, I'm gonna go under. Um, average two seventy
1: seven. Yeah, I think a little over. That's a really good line, though. It That's, is good. I'm I mean, gonna take that the line over right there. Is, the should be good enough for an all star game.
0: So. Oh yeah, I mean, if he does this, he's totally worth the money. I think he's gonna be yeah. over two seventy seven. Um, yeah, I
1: see. I think like probably right at thirty five. I think he'll be a hundred RBI, hundred run guy um which he's been with the red sox in the past especially if colton Wong is on
0: ahead of him then he'll probably have like 120 rbis he could i mean he's he's totally got that potential i i'm just being a little bit conservative based on what we saw last year i guess i think that there's a little there are some more glaring issues here than there looks like on the surface uh 522 slugging percentage over or under well, I mean, I guess I went over on average in home runs, so I'd have to go over on the slug. I think I'm going over on the slug, too. Um, 123 WRC+. Plus.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Um, <laughs> but I've said over on everything else, so I guess I'm going to go over here.
0: Yeah, I think that number is dead on. I think you'll be, like, right around 125, so I guess I'm going to go the yeah. slight over. Um, that would be a great bounce back. That line that Steamer is projecting would be an amazing bounce back for GD Martinez. And I think would make people really forget about, you know, all the trade talk surrounding him and forget about the fact that we have him for another year and just like be happy with that. Yeah. That'd be huge. Um, But overall, I think the lineup is not the problem for this team. Definitely not. Bench. Um, we both had different benches. We had one similar guy on the bench. We both had the plaster, Kevin Pluecki, uh as our backup catcher. But the rest of our bench was completely different. Uh, so I went with Kike Hernandez, Albert Almora as the backup outfielder. I kind of have Kike filling in the infield. And then I have Mitch Moreland as a uh, sort of a lefty complement to... Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, what do you think of my bench?
1: I like it a lot better than mine. Um, but I don't... I would really like Kiki Hernandez on this team if they were going to continue to use him as like a super utility guy um, like the Dodgers did and still get him like close to 400 at-bats or plate appearances, wherever you want to measure it. Um, If they don't plan on giving him that much playing time, then I, I don't really know what the point is other than just really it's like a they can find cheaper options if they didn't plan on giving him that many at-bats. Um, I don't think Moreland's coming back because I think he'll probably end up signing a one-year deal with somebody. Um, kind of busy like the Padres move where they're contending. They need someone to platoon at that position, and he's the perfect option for it. Um uh, and I, I don't think that's this Red Sox team. So I don't think he'll be coming back. Um so is on my bench, is on my bench, obviously because like, I have Rosario out there. I have Brock Holt as my uh guy coming back to reunite with the Red Sox. Um, pretty downer year. Um with Milwaukee. I think he eventually ended up opting out, um or he was just hurt. But he really didn't do much of anything. And then got uh waived. So I think he could come back for extremely cheap and be the utility guy that they would rather have over Hernandez Um, would be a lot cheaper. And then I have Chavis,
0: my man on the bench as another utility guy. So Chavis, does he end up getting time at first base then in your situation? Probably first base, second base. Cause I think if, yeah, I guess in your situation, there's probably a good chance that he is, getting a good chunk of time at second base, right, with Christian Arroyo on their roster? Yeah. And then Brock Holt, I mean, where's he getting time? Also good at second field, base? Outfield. Yeah, okay. I
1: mean, everywhere. Everywhere? He can play first, he can play second, he can be in the outfield.
0: Interesting. There'll yeah. probably
1: be an injury at some point, maybe even to him.
0: I wonder what the, um, what the playing time would ultimately be like if he did come back in that situation with – With Chavis on the roster, that's interesting, though. I I think he would definitely be a very inexpensive option and great ties to the city and all that stuff. I think the reason why I went with Kike was um, younger player, really good against lefties. Andrew Benintendi, not so good against lefties. Maybe platoon situation there. Kike also may be getting some time in left field or left field and right field, or even maybe sometimes in center field. I think in my situation, Kike's playing a lot in the outfield for this team. Okay. Kind of all over the place. That's where I see him getting those at bats, and I kinda see Moreland uh on a semi platoon type situation with Dahlbeck and I have Albert Almora as my Late inning defensive outfield replacement um, for this team. So coming in in situations uh, to push Alex Verdugo to right field. Almora takes over center field. Hunter Renfro goes to left field. Um, you know when they have the lead.
1: Yeah, I like your bench more than mine. I think Kike Hernandez would be a nice piece to this team specifically. I mean, with what you have lined up there with, like. Renfro, Verdugo, Benintendi being in the outfield. I think you're right. He would get a lot of playing time, probably in all three of those spots, um, as well as, you know, getting some at-bats in the infield too. So I I think for the hitters, I like your construction of this roster better than mine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully. I think I'm letting my pessimism
1: seep into my roster, and I don't like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so – Benches are done. Uh, Let's get to the pitching. This is the area of the team that is just by far most in need for the Red Sox. Um, SP1, we both have the Red Sox going out and signing Corey Kluber. Clearly, we both believe the Red Sox are interested. We've gotten reports that that is true. We both think he's going to sign. What do you expect out of Corey Kluber next year if he does sign with the Red Sox? hundred and
1: eighty. High quality innings, you know, not expecting him to be Cy Young caliber, but he'll be healthy. The injuries will be behind him. And I think that he will be able to give you like a three, three and a half ERA, get deep into games every now and then, uh, and just be someone that this rotation desperately needs to help anchor it down.
0: Yeah, I think he would definitely be an under four. ERA guy, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was a a 3.5 ERA guy. Um, Steamer's projection for him, I think, is kind of bearish. It's 4.05 ERA, Um, you know, striking out over a batter per inning, uh, walking under 2.5 guys per inning, which is very typical of him throughout his career. Um, But I think they're low on him in terms of what his strikeout stuff has the potential to be. He's not that old. He's 34, and I know that he's been very injury-prone the last two years. But, man, like, Corey Kluber is still really good when he's healthy. So, I'm with you. I'm very bullish on him, and I think he signs a one-year deal. Do you see him on a one-year, or do you think he gets more than that? Ooh. I would have said more
1: for sure if he was a little bit younger. But um, he's not – I mean – He's not that old, but it would be difficult for him to be like, hey, I'm 34, let's do a one-year show-me deal and then sign like a four- or five-year deal to a 35-year-old. That seems like a stretch. I think he's at the point in his career, especially with his age and especially with his injuries, where he's looking at like one- to two-year deals.
0: Mm, That makes sense. The rest of the way. Yeah. Yep, I think he probably wants to prove it a little bit. Um, all right. So for our number two starter, uh, we both have the same guy, Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, do you think he's going to bounce back?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess, um, I'm confident that he will. I don't think we'll understand how, uh, the, or what long-term effects, if any, from COVID he has, um, until he's back out on the mound and we kind of see him in action. Like we have, I think we talked about the last time you and I were on, like there's you know, Freddie Freeman, who came back and was great. And there's like Yomankata, who um, was had like no energy. Um, so getting in the ballpark every day was tough. But all the reports are that he feels great and he's going to have a full, uh, no restrictions on him off-season workout plan. So that's a positive sign. Um, as long as all of that stuff is true, I think that he'll be a solid SP2.
0: Yeah, I agree. I like Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, I'm still not sure if I want to sign him long-term or anything like that, but I do like him for a bounce back, and I hope he stays healthy. Um, SP3. I have them signing Jake Odorizzi uh, as the SP3. You have them going with Nate Eovaldi, who I have as my SP4. Um, I'll talk about Odorizzi real quick. I don't like Odorizzi. Um <laughs> You know, I, I think Bloom will ultimately sign him. and They've been linked to be interested in him. He barely pitched last year, 13 innings, dealt with some injuries. He doesn't throw a lot of innings. He seems to be a guy who kind of struggles to get past five innings. There's the history with the Rays, which makes me think that, you know, Bloom's going to be in on him. I don't think he does anything particularly well. His projections for next year, 4.6 ERA. I don't really get this move, um, but I kind of think that this is going to be the second signing, and I don't like it.
1: Yeah, I think you're right in the—or I hope that you're right in the sense that I hope they sign two starters. I just don't think that they will. I think they'll just sign one, which is why the rest of my rotation is all people who have been on the roster already. Um, I think Kluber is going to be their— big signing of the offseason, and they're going to round out the rotation basically the same way they rounded it out to end 2020, where um, Nick Pavetta, even though it was like two or three starts, they think he showed enough. Um, hopefully he doesn't you know massively tank in the spring. And then my fifth was Tanner Houck. Um I know you originally had Shugano um, in there and had to kind of reassess after the news that it came out right before we started recording. Yep. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, but I think that's basically gonna how they're going to be how they're rounding it out, and that's why I have you know two through five is Rodriguez, Valdi, Leipeta, and Hauk. I just don't know if they will spend on more than one starting pitcher, but I hope that they do. Uh, if it ends up being Oderizzi, I don't know if I'd be excited about that though.
0: Yeah, if it ends up being Oderizzi, I kind of feel like how different is that going to be than Martin Perez? And I know that Oderizzi has a much higher ceiling potentially. Then Martin Perez, I'm just not sure he's all that likely to reach it, um, which makes me a little skeptical of him. Um, I have the rest of the rotation the same way as you do. uh, Ivaldi and Pavetta, we both have as locks. Uh, And then you have Tanner Houck. Uh, I have Tanner Houck being optioned. Um, I guess I'll ask you on Ivaldi, Pavetta, and Houck, do you expect any of those three to be pleasant surprises for us next year?
1: Hmm. Well, um, guess expect and hope are two very different things. Um, I guess, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? I'll say how, I mean, he was a pleasant surprise in the starts that he gave us in 2020, um, I expect that they're going to let him have run, whether it's like you said, to, if he's optioned, he'll still be in a starter role in Triple A, uh, or if he's, or if I'm right and he's here, then he's going to be a starter um, at least to start. And I think um, he made real significant strides with his slider. Um, that he was able to make his other pitches kind of play off of and play up. So I think he has a chance to. Um, Pavetta was just so much better than he's been in Philadelphia that I just I don't think that's just a small sample. I'm not really expecting that to happen, and Evaldi I'm expecting to be good, but probably get hurt and pitch like 100 to 120 innings.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the mo with Evaldi. Uh 3.72 ERA last year for Ivaldi was very good uh, in a lot of ways. Projected to be a 4.08 ERA guy with 171 innings pitched projected to be kind of similar to what Corey Kluber is next year. So, I mean, I think that Corey Kluber obviously has the higher ceiling out of those two players. I do expect the to be a good player. I expect nothing out of Nick Pavetta and I'm bummed mm. out that he is a starter. Both Pavetta and Hauk projected to have ERAs over five, uh, according to Steamer. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think that, <clears throat> There's I mean, a Pivetta's lot. Of a
1: surprise, but I'm surprised that um they're not as up on how after I mean I guess his was a little I mean it was still a small sample size but it was a little bit more extended than Pavetta's but man I
0: hmm. it's a minuscule it's tough. sample size that's the thing you know yeah, it's it it it's three priority. starts and his pitch mix was a bit different. You know, how how he was pitching was different than we had seen. I think we're going to know pretty early on with Hulk whether or not it's real. I don't think it's going to take a ton of time for us to see what the repertoire is like and if it really has changed and it really is more suited to a starter's role now. Because there's still a non-zero chance that he ends up being a reliever. And probably a good reliever, but, you know, a definite not a guy who you're like, yeah, he should be starting. Like, nope, that's a reliever.
1: Very true.
0: Let's talk about the bullpens. Because we ended up with an identical bullpen, which I just think is statistically very odd that we ended up with the exact same bullpen. Um, But we did. Um, We both have them signing Blake Trinan to be the closer. Apparently, we both love him. Uh, We have Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, Darwins and Hernandez, Matt Andries, Garrett Whitlock, Austin Bryce, and Josh Taylor. And both of us have... uh, Phillips Valdez and Colton Brewer getting optioned. Uh, I also have Hulk getting optioned because I don't have him in my uh, my my roster, and I have Michael Chavis getting optioned as well, and Christian Arroyo getting DFA'd. Um, I guess I'm going to ask you first, Keaton, why Phillips Valdez and Colton Brewer as the ones who are optioned, in your opinion?
1: Um. Well. The back end of this bullpen is, I think, we've mentioned this pretty, almost every time we talk, it's pretty interchangeable. So I just think those are the guys that are going to get left off. Um, They've made some additions to this offseason that make you think that, like some things, so obviously Matt Barnes isn't going anywhere. Brazier Hernandez isn't going anywhere. They just added Andrees, so he's going to be here. Garrett Whitlock has to be because he was uh, Rule 5. Um, so then we're just looking at the last two spots. Josh Taylor, they need a lefty, so you're right, he's going to be there. Um, so I guess the last one, I really wanted to put Valdez over Bryce. Um, but I think he talked me into Bryce as being a little bit more of a stable option, uh, with his track record, even though 2020 was really bad. But, um, I mean, I guess it was a career best strikeout rate for him, so maybe he's making more strides there. But I, yeah, it was, I just didn't know if I could put Valdez over Bryce, even though I really wanted to. But that's really the only, that's the one position. It's just that last spot in the bullpen that I think is up for grabs now. I guess that's, I mean, assuming that training does get signed, or they train in, or some other high end option to be the closer. Mm-hmm. get signed and there's just one spot left because the other ones um, there's I don't think there's a ton of spaces in this bullpen that are like locked, but because Andres was signed he's gonna be there Whitlock has to be there those two um, basically just kick Valdez and Brewer out
0: yeah and and for me it didn't come down to the fact that I actually like Brewer, uh, Bryce better than uh, Brewer or uh, Valdez Um, it came down to the fact that those two had options remaining and Bryce did not. That's it. That's what it came down to for me. Um, So if Bryce doesn't perform or whatever, gets injured, um, then you bring up Valdez or or Brewer. But I think they just want to hold on to that depth. Yep. Uh, So those are our rosters for for the, the season. Uh, looking at your own roster, Keaton, project the number of games that that roster wins. Boy. Granted, they will get sale back.
1: They will. One, not one. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Wow. Optimistic <laughs> or really pessimistic. I was going to say
0: 185. Um, <laughs> I meant 85. <laughs> All right. 85 wins. Uh, I like my roster a little better than yours, so I'm going to go 88 wins.
1: Think that gets in?
0: Mm, yeah, probably. Do we Maybe. have the playoffs or
1: expanded or not?
0: I don't know. Maybe that's not an 88 win team. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Who gave yeah, me see, a like, podcast?
1: Looking at who we have, I guess is the starter. I mean, the bullpen. I don't even if they like they sign training i feel better about that but how many like they had like six blown saves that you would think that would cover so it's six more wins than they had last year um and i think everything else really kind of stays the same um until they get sale back and maybe that's another boost of a few wins yeah i I don't think they'll probably be in it until like the last week or two and then fade and just mid 80s
0: I don't know the the idea of a healthy sale, healthy Kluber, healthy Erod, and healthy E-Evaldi at the same time would really be special. Like if that happens, I think they're in and they make noise. What do you think know? the
1: chances that that happens
0: all at the same time? Yeah, ten percent. Yeah, I was gonna say five. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, let us dream. It is uh, it is January, so we can dream right now without repercussions. Sure can. Let's get some listener questions before we get out of here. Angel Rondon has our first question. He says, should something be done about the slow offseason? It seems like baseball has been irrelevant since the last pitch of the World Series. Preach, man. Um, yeah, it definitely has. And we should get a new commissioner. What say you, Keaton?
1: Well, I do agree about the commissioner piece, but there at least used to be excitement at the winter meetings because there's no other time of the year where they have all of the owners together. And I know that it was done virtually this year, which made things a little little weirder or whatever, but there's enough contact there that there should have been more movement. But we've gone through uh, quite a run of off seasons where nothing has happened at the winter meetings um, with either trades or... um, interesting signings but you used to be able to look forward to that and then like another rash in january so it was kind of it was spread out but there was enough intrigue and now it's just not happening i don't know how you would fix that though that's the the difficult part i think there i don't know what you do to make the off season more interesting
0: you got to fix that cba man it's got to got to be more favorable to players for that action to start getting heated up and we need a commissioner that actually likes baseball
1: yeah, that would help.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be a start at least. Uh, next question comes from Thomas Scharschmidt, uh, and he says, "When what time can we actually expect fans will be back at Fenway? I think he's kind of shooting for a month there that we think it could happen. July. Interesting. I am more aggressive on this than you. I think uh, late May, early June.
1: I was going to say June. But then
0: I'm pessimistic, so I pushed it another month. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair. I don't know. Uh, I know I am probably going to be part of phase two as a teacher of the vaccine rollout. So hopefully I will get it soon. So I'm happy about that. Um, last and final question comes from Luis, Luis De Jesus Gomez. And he says, who's the next free agent that the Red Sox are going to sign? Um, we have them signing between the two of us, Colton Wong, Corey Kluber, Odorizzi, Rizzi, Blake Trinan, Eddie Rosario, uh, and Brock Holt. Um, I'm gonna
1: go Kluber because he's throwing for people, um, today. Is it today? Wow. Is it today? I thought it was this week. I think it's uh,
0: soon if it's not today. Yeah, it's it's very yeah.
1: soon. So I think it won't be long after that that he signs with somebody after folks get eyes on him. So I'm going to go Kluber.
0: All right. Uh, I will go Trinan. And I don't know why. I have no I would be reason. be happy with either. Yeah. Hope they both happen. Um, we do hope you enjoyed the podcast. That has been it for us. Um, and if you did enjoy it, please go on and subscribe to the show, uh, rate and review us. We know you can rate and review us on, uh, iTunes. We're sort of still figuring out which other platforms you can. Unfortunately, uh, we had a very kind person who wanted to leave us a review who ended up uh, not being able to leave us one on Spotify, uh, cause they don't actually allow that. Um, but yes, there are some platforms that you can Notably iTunes. Um, So, yeah, we always do appreciate that if you can log on and give us a favorable review. Uh, We've definitely worked on some things here, shortening our intro, improving our audio quality, all sorts of stuff like that. So we hope you guys have noticed as well. Uh, Listen, some sure, reflect that. So um, we're we're thankful to be able to deliver this Red Sox podcast to all you people uh, every week. Uh, Keaton, I hope you enjoy your birthday dinner, and thank you for joining me.
1: Yeah, I definitely will. Thanks, man.
0: All right, take care, everybody.